Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on this week's show, ESPN scores their most watched playoff game for Major League Soccer since 2014. PlayStation View bites the dust. Our thoughts on the NBC Premier League Fan Fest. Could the Bundesliga benefit from Disney Plus? And of course, we have letters from you listeners in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, and I am joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayer. Kartik, um, since this last podcast that we did last week, it's been an eventful weekend, or basically seven days of football watching. Lots of highs, not not a lot of lows. Um, my match of the week from this past week, it's, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up between Liverpool and Spurs which to me is one of the best Premier League matches I've watched in a long, long time. From start to finish, it was um, full-on entertaining, it was non-stop, and uh, there didn't seem to be any like down moments in that match. It was just uh, just a joy to watch. It reminded me of old classic Premier League matches that I'd be watching on, I don't know, uh, Fox Sports World back in the, the 2000s, like late at night. Uh, it was a really good game. The other match that I would say is a toss-up between that and, and this one is LAFC against LA Galaxy. And uh, we talked about this one on last week's podcast. I think I mentioned something, that, you mean, just kind of saying like, oh, it'll be, it's going to be a 4-4 or something like that. Little did I know it ended up being a 5-3 uh, game. Defending was pretty bad on both sides. It was actually very bad on both sides. But uh, as with Major League Soccer, sometimes, I mean, you mean they don't seem to care too much about defending. Um similar to the Premier League in many ways though too but it was a really really entertaining game with a fantastic atmosphere and and that's something that uh, with Major League Soccer we're missing out usually but this one was this atmosphere at the LAFC can rival some of the best teams in England or, or, or Germany it was that good and I really enjoyed watching the game it was uh, a joy to watch what about you Kartik? Uh, well I didn't see the match so um so, but 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 I heard all about it uh, from folks, and it seemed to have been a very entertaining match. I think the MLS playoffs have been entertaining. That's a reflection of of a league that has a salary cap and 
puts all its money into attacking players, right? So there is a huge gap between the level of attacker and the level of defender in, in, in MLS. And it's something that's been growing through a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, uh, that's the reality is that, um, that there are entertaining matches. And uh, I, I say this over and over again. I'm actually saying this again in, in a uh, – there's a, a website that's doing an interview with me this week giving people a little bit of a preview that uh, Americans constantly confuse quality for entertainment. So uh, MLS, very entertaining. I don't know that the quality is that high. And I, I've made that uh, – for those of you who say I'm piling on MLS, I say that about the Premier League all the time. Mm-hmm. If uh, you want to be selective in what you hear uh, or what you read that I say, I say that about the Premier League, that a lot of American fans of the Premier League uh, confuse high-scoring matches with being uh, with quality, uh, whereas give me the 1-0 Serie A game sometimes. I think that's more quality. Right. It, it, it's interesting, though, too, Kartik, because with this match, I mean, 5-3, it could end up being the most exciting game of the whole MLS Cup playoffs uh, or final this year, and it could end up being what could have been a great final. but And that's the thing with Major League Soccer in terms of you have even the Western Conference uh, and you have the Eastern Conference. And it's, especially this season with the uh, Eastern Conference teams not being that strong, I mean, this would have been a great final to have. I mean, two teams from the Western Conference in the final. Instead, I mean, we're recording this podcast before we know the results of a lot of these Major League Soccer games in terms of the, the next round of playoffs. But that'd be great. The other thing, too, about this match was that um, Major League Soccer prides itself upon uh, portraying a squeaky clean image. Uh, but there were two incidents in this match towards the very end that I thought were great. Uh, these, these are talkative moments. These are water co- cooler moments. These are things that after the game, if you're in a bar or, or the next day at work, you'd say, hey, oh, my gosh, did you see what happened last night? Uh, the first one was uh, Sebastian Salazar from ESPN, fantastic uh, interviewer, and uh, post-match uh, asking Bob Bradley about Carlos Vela, uh, asking him whether or not uh, he rises uh, for those big games. And Bob Bradley returned with a get lost, and he stormed off, and he turned around, and he said, get lost, again and again. And it was what, it was a really heated moment, Um and it's it's great to watch and see that because oftentimes things are so scripted with media training and so blah interviews. But this one was a really great question by Sebastian. I thought uh, a thought-provoking question that uh, elicited a really emotional response. That was great television. And the second thing was Zlatan walking off the field and getting abused by LAFC fans and just Zlatan in his own way just grabbing his crotch and just sending a message to the LAFC supporters. But but that, to me, is something that the Premier League, um, it's, it's almost like a soap opera. The things that happen off the pitch in the Premier League sometimes are more exciting than what happens on the pitch sometimes. Uh, it's not always that case, but um, that's part of the charisma and part of the attachment that a lot of people have to the Premier League are those things that, that happen off the pitch, whether it's a scandal or... Um, or the, with the championship, which is a different division, of course, but Spygate or things like that, where it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much on the line that I mean, these things happen. People, I mean, lose lose their minds sometimes and do crazy things. Um, but all in all, it was a good week for Major League Soccer. We'll get into the TV ratings a little bit later. Um, but I, I just am concerned that this might have been a great final, and beyond this. Um, it might be pretty stale, and I mean, we might see a LAFC Atlanta final, and it's going to be pretty boring until the final, and, and then we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, I, I think that, uh, this also, I hope, can help defeat the narrative that has been uh, floated by a lot of uh, haters of MLS and U.S. soccer that somehow Bob Bradley and Bruce Arena are company men. Uh, because they're right. not. Yeah. Uh, they're, uh, those people who say Arena is like an MLS shill and a U.S. soccer shill have no idea the things he said through the years about Major League Soccer as an employee and a coach in Major League Soccer. And same thing for Bob Bradley. I mean, nobody – I mean, Jurgen Klinsmann gets a lot of credit from the anti-MLS uh, crowd for being a, 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 a critic of MLS and, and U.S. soccer, which I think he was when he wanted to be, when he wanted to uh, – I mean, he made some very valid criticisms, but I think he – did a lot of it uh, strategically in order to put, take the pressure off of himself. I will tell you, just from my own reporting, nobody internally in the last 15 years in U.S. soccer has been more critical and pushed for more changes internally than Bob Bradley. So I'm glad uh, the public that has uh, has adopted this narrative of him or the the, the, the uh, anti, uh, anti-whatever public uh, saw that he can get really – animated and defensive of his player in, in Carlos Vela and, and not uh, read from the MLS script in that case. And I thought it was great. I also thought Seb Salazar, as always, was fantastic. When I said I didn't see the match, I did see that. <laughs> and I saw Slotdown also. Of course, I saw those those clips. So Yeah, which, um, which, is go, which goes to show, Kartik, even if you missed the match, those, those moments are viral and are posted on social media. And those are sometimes the talking points more so than the goals themselves. Yeah, and, and and I think that that's something that MLS maybe will learn from going forward. That this was uh, this was the most talked about MLS match in, in some time. Now, um, I think it's important uh, as we um, as we get into um, in, 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 into this week to see uh, if this momentum continues. Uh, obviously, having Seattle and LAFC, which is already turning into a little bit of a rivalry in one of the matches, is good. Uh, Again, we're recording this before these matches are played. Uh, Toronto and Atlanta have been uh, superior clubs lately, but is there is there going to be the kind of widespread interest and, and people talking about this stuff outside of um, the MLS uh, bubble? Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm hopeful, but I, I'm not confident. So speaking of widespread interest, Kartik, uh, this past weekend uh, I was listening to a radio commentary because I was driving. I was driving from Jacksonville to Tampa, and uh, it was on a Saturday afternoon, and uh, I, I thought, okay, let me turn on Talk Sport and listen to the Premier League coverage that they have, which is actually a good service because even if you're if you are driving or you you can't be in front of the TV screen, Talk Sport does a good job of uh, providing commentary. The bad news is is the commentary is not that good, but the, but the access, <laughs> which is true, the access to that commentary is fantastic. I mean, just as as one example in this commentary of this match. Um, and it's definitely B-level or C-level commentators. Uh, one of the commentators, whoever it was, called Christian Pulisic, America's greatest export since Coca-Cola, which some of this stuff you just have to laugh at. The, the other interesting thing I thought, too, is that uh, they're definitely the commentators, which is they do a great job in terms of Premier League Live, encouraging uh, people to tweet in messages or sending questions or or uh, let the uh, the radio commentators know where you're w- watching this match and what's happening in, in your life. Um, and and that, actually in this match too, the commentators gravitate a lot to the American audience so that they know that this uh, those commentaries are going, uh, I'm not sure how many countries in, around the world, but a lot of it is very U.S. focused. A lot of the people sending in tweets and messages are from the U.S. And, and I'm sure TalkSport knows how popular the Premier League is in the United States. 
Um, but it was kind of funny listening to that. And then, um, yeah, the commentary was, was really bad. But, but still, in terms of being able to listen and, and hear Pulisic scoring the hat-trick, which is fantastic news, this is exactly what we wanted and needed him to be doing, is to, when you know, in that pressure cooker situation, is you have to play week in, week out as best as you can. The, the competition level is immense, and this will hopefully improve Pulisic's uh, game in the long run um, rather than playing in some leagues where he's the first person on, on the team sheet. So, so, but but that that was my experience with watching Burnley against Chelsea. I didn't watch it, listen to it. Uh, it's not as good as BBC radio commentaries, um, but it's better than nothing. And then on Sunday morning, Kartik, I watched uh, Swansea City against Cardiff City in the South Wales Derby. Uh, speaking of a talk sports uh, commentator, we had uh, Sam Matterface uh, doing the commentary in this one worldwide. And in, in this match, Kartik, um, of course, for those listeners who don't know, Swansea City won this one 1-0. Uh, and by the scoreline, you would think it was a close match. It was, it was a pretty comfortable win. I was just surprised at how poor Cardiff City was in this game. And um, but still a huge victory. It's uh, for Swansea. It's almost like winning the league. Um, the scenes at the end, in terms of uh, the fans, the coach, everything, everyone's ecstatic. It's it's a huge. It's it's like a Liverpool Everton or a Real Madrid against Barcelona. It's 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 that at that level within within Wales in terms of uh, what this uh, game means for both teams. Now the fan fest Kartik. So I was traveling a lot this weekend. I did, like I said, I did watch uh, Liverpool against Spurs. And some of the other games too. I think I was in and out of some of the other matches. The fan fest. I I think if I remember correctly, you're not a big fan of it. Um, no. But what I would say though to Kartik is that, and and I, I know a lot of listeners too are not are not fans of it. Some are huge fans of it. I enjoy it just because it's something different. It mixes things up a little bit. And what I take take from it is that um, NBC Sports has created a culture on television where most of the viewers care about the talent. Like so we we care what Rebecca Lowe is going to say or or the two Robbies or Kyle. We will listen more intently. We have a empathy, we have an interest in, in what they say and what they do. And the fan fest is a is a great example of that too. Everything from I don't know, the two Robbies uh going riding yeah, a horse or a bull on a rodeo, whatever. It's some 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 crazy, silly stuff. Um, but it, it is an opportunity for fans in the Austin area, and all, you know, all through kind of the uh, Texas, etc., to come and celebrate their their local club. Well, their Premier League club at in Austin. It, it's uh, I I enjoy it for the weekend that it is. Um, and by the way, Kartik, it's coming to Miami in December, uh, so get ready. Uh, but but. I don't know. So to me, to me, it, it's uh, it's once in a while. It's different, and I enjoy watching it. I, I'm not going to watch every minute of it, but I think it's an interesting celebration. In Kartik, what about you? Are you going to go to the uh, the fan fest in Miami in December? Well, it depends what else I'm doing. Uh, no, I, I I I may, I may not. It depends what's happening that weekend uh, for me. I don't know which weekend it is, but I, I wasn't aware it was coming to Miami until this moment. So, so what about like, like, uh, like Sean Wright Phillips? If Sean Wright Phillips came or uh, 
the goat or you mean yeah i would for that yeah and i and i was lucky enough to meet sean wright phillips at the uh, npsl final uh, which miami fc played in last year against uh, fc motown uh he and, and and his brother were both there uh there were there were some, several red bull ties to our miami fc team so that that prompted him to show up but that that was kind of neat but yeah i mean i i suppose so i mean i i i don't know though i don't it's it's to me, it's a little bit of an odd thing. I, I get the fan fest uh, uh, element, uh, but to me, it's a little bit of an odd t- thing to, to, to stand out in the hot sun for all those hours. <laughs> you have to be really committed to this league, which I guess there are a lot of people who are. Thousands of people in Austin turned up. Yeah, well, that was the thing in Austin, too. Actually, it was pretty cold. I think I watched some of the, um, I think it was Sunday morning or Saturday morning. I, it was I, chilly. I would probably say it, it, it depends on whether the Bundesliga is on winter break by that time. That's probably going to be the determining factor for me. Because if the Bundesliga is playing, uh, I go to the Fan Fest, I miss those matches. Okay. If the Bundesliga is on winter break, I go to the Fan I The only thing going on is the Premier League, so I, I might go. So That's who- actually, but I don't know, I know that's not a consideration for most people. I'm uh, more of a Bundesliga fan these days than, than a Premier League fan. So according to my sources, Kartik, and this has not been uh, revealed publicly, but uh, they're looking at December 14th and 15th. So I'm not sure where that falls in terms of the Bundesliga uh, winter break. That probably is before the Bundesliga. Win- that might be the last weekend of the Bundesliga when you get your unofficial uh, fall champion. So I, I don't know. I, it, it, <laughs> it maybe depend on the fixtures, yeah. but chances are it's a no. If the Bundesliga is playing, okay, all right. Well. That's just that's just me. I know people will <laughs> get very angry about that. How can you watch the Bundesliga instead of the Premier League? I, I get a lot of that actually uh, every week. But uh, yeah, I do. I, it depends on the matchup. I, that doesn't mean I watch every Bundesliga match instead of every Premier League match. I think the people who listen to the show, uh, read our site, know that I'm I, I'm kind of fifty fifty. But uh, if the if the Premier League uh, is the only thing that I that I'm able to watch on a given day, uh, then I lose the Bundesliga. I'm not really happy about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 which which um, is a very positive thing in terms of the Bundesliga. I mean, to, to, to me, soccer is more important than uh, extracurricular activities in, in terms yeah. of fan fests and things like that. So um, you, you have your priorities straight. Uh, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. And uh, this one could be an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Moffat Nathanson estimated last week that the Disney Plus OTT bundle, which includes ESPN Plus, could eat 8 million subscribers worldwide soon after the launch and 18 million by the end of 2020. Currently, ESPN Plus has, uh, as far as we know, 2 million subscribers. That was a little while ago that they uh, um, that they uh, gave us that number. But that's uh, that would be a huge leap, and that would give uh, exposure. We just talked about the Bundesliga, Serie A's on ESPN Plus for the most part. Uh, all of these products uh, that are on ESPN Plus, uh, USL exclusively on ESPN Plus, uh, a whole lot more exposure. Yeah, this is an interesting one too. And I, te- <coughs> I teased this one in the beginning of uh, the show where I talked about uh, could the Bundesliga benefit from Disney Plus? And... Um, <coughs> This might, <coughs> pardon me. This might be part of a, a long-term strategy, Kartik, because um, if these numbers will uh, pan out, and so if um, if the Disney Plus bundle, which includes ESPN Plus, uh, will be eight million subscribers soon after the launch, which is going to be I think November twelfth. So by say, say by the end of the year, eight million subscribers, and uh, by twenty twenty, by the end of twenty twenty, just a year away in a, in a couple of months, eighteen million. So at that point. You mean, you mean a lot of these people would have the Disney Plus bundle. They may watch mostly Disney Plus and uh, they may 
watch might might watch some Marvel stuff, whatever, whatever. Um, but they have ESPN Plus. That would be a good opportunity for them to kind of watch more of those programming and be introduced to the Bundesliga or, or Serie A. Uh, long term, this could be this could be a huge success for the Bundesliga. They're taking they're making a long term bet, a long term gamble that uh, the Disney Plus uh, bundle, which includes ESPN Plus, I mean, if it's 18 million by the end of 2020, what would, would it be at 2021 or 2022? It could be 25 million or 30 million. Now you're entering numbers that are I mean, far greater than being sports, far greater than a lot of TV channels. Um, and as the number of TV subscribers decreases in terms of cable and, and satellite, uh, this could be the future. So it could be that the Bundesliga have made a bet on the future saying that the streaming is the way to go and uh, by partnering with not only with ESPN but also with Disney this gives them huge opportunities to introduce the league to a whole brand new audience it could work we'll have to wait and see now next up Kartik is that um, and actually this, this is breaking news as of Tuesday so by the time most listeners are hearing this they might have already uh, heard about this news but Sony has decided to go ahead and shut down PlayStation View, which is their streaming service. Um, the last day that it's going to be uh, running is January 30th, 2020. So just a, a couple months away. Uh, Sony was uh, trying to find a buyer um, to basically kind of bail out uh, PlayStation View or buy out PlayStation View. Uh, they were an, unable to find a buyer. Um, now the rumors are that um, Fubo TV might be interested in, in trying to acquire the customers. So uh, even though the service will uh, be dead as of uh, January 30th from PlayStation View, um, they do have a large number of subscribers and, and those customers, and that would be a good way to take them and, and, and carry them over to whether it's Fubo TV or another streaming service. But um my, my take on this Kartik is that, um, I mean, it's been five years since PlayStation View launched. Uh, for most of those five years, PlayStation View was the best streaming service out there. It was expensive, yes, uh, but it had almost every single channel for, for a large part of the time. And it had multi-view, so you could watch uh, m- many different programs at the same time. It had a great DVR. Uh, the, the biggest issue it had was its name. When you mentioned PlayStation View, people would say, ah, I don't have a PlayStation, I have an Xbox, or I don't have a video game system. And the reality is that you didn't need to have a PlayStation View. You, all you needed was a, a Roku or a Chromecast or a laptop or a phone or anything, basically, to run a PlayStation View. But Sony stubbornly uh, refused to change the name. A lot of people were saying, and the customers saying, change the name to Sony View. Just take out the word PlayStation. It confuses people. Yes, you can play PlayStation View on a PlayStation, but you can also play it on, on uh, different devices too. And ultimately, I believe that that was the main reason that PlayStation View did not succeed in a competitive marketplace where the name itself is confusing. Um, that's the first stumbling block. That's the first thing that people kind of run into. And for most of the people, I think most people would say, nah, I'm not interested. I, I want to get Sling TV, which is a, a name that doesn't really, really mean anything. Um, or I want to get YouTube TV, and that's that can be a little bit confusing too. But PlayStation View, uh, as of January thirtieth, is no more, and um, I'm sad to see it go because it, it it was actually a very good service. And Kartik, last but not least, um, more news about DAZN. 
yeah, who have been advertising like crazy of late. Uh, the Zone seeks to raise at least $500 million for expansion and a rights push. Uh, they are making every effort now uh, to acquire uh, new properties and to promote the properties they have. Uh, it, it's difficult to watch television uh, without seeing a DAZN ad. Uh, these days, so uh, <laughs> they, they're uh, they're really pushing, and we knew they we, they were serious when they launched. But now, uh, uh, let's see if they can actually translate that into some rights beyond what they have in the U.S. market. Obviously, in some overseas markets, uh, they picked up some some more lucrative things than they have here. Yeah, and and this is uh, trying to raise another half a billion dollars um, to go ahead and get more rights. It's a gamble because um, there's no guarantee that DAZN's business model uh, is going to work or, or is working. What they focus on so far, they focused uh, on mostly annual subscriptions. So if you want to get uh, UFC or if you want to get MMA, um, a lot of the subscription packages are um, annual or they have, they have some. Uh, the cheapest one they have is, I think, $20 a month. Um, they have no free trials available, so it is a very much um, now for for those MMA and UFC um, and kind of the fighting types of um, sports that may work really well. It's basically a replacement for pay per view. Now for soccer and other sports, and and we know that they're interested in, in the NFL. Um, there's no guarantee that that's going to work in the United States, especially with such a competitive marketplace. And we just saw that PlayStation View is going out of business. So um, it's a risky gamble. I mean, half a billion trying to raise that amount of funds. Uh, obviously, they're enthusiastic that they, they can make it happen. There's a lot of executives at DAZN, actually the two top executives. Uh, one is uh, John Skipper, uh, the former head of uh, ESPN. And then the other one is Jamie Horowitz, who's from Fox Sports. He's the guy that changed FS1 into all talk and, and try to copy the ESPN model. And largely, you could say that largely that failed for the most part in terms of it wasn't the success that they thought thought it would be. But those guys are at DAZN, so maybe they'll make that a success or not. We'll see. TV ratings, Kartik. Um, and, and actually, we didn't mention this one yet, so let's talk about this one too. We skipped over it. Uh, North Carolina Courage against Chicago Red Stars, the uh, NWSL final. What was the game like? What was the coverage like? And and um, let's talk about the the viewer viewership number two. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was one of the few games, one of two matches I watched this week. The uh, I had my Miami FC match, which uh, ended up spending twelve hours there setting up and everything, and it, that was a great match. It ended at three two. Uh, but those of you that aren't on my Kudro probably did not see that match. Uh, but uh, I watched this match and I watched the Schalke Dortmund match earlier on Saturday. Uh, the, this match, the coverage was really good from ESPN. So it was Jen Hildreth, Ali Wagner in in the booth. They had uh, two uh, on-pitch reporters. They had a really good halftime presentation. They talked to Amanda Duffy, the NWSL president, and had, had some really uh, good discussions about the league, Louisville expansion, etc. It, it felt a little propaganda-ish. I, I, I wouldn't deny that, but uh, the match was good. Very, very good. Focused on uh, on uh, shutting down Sam Kerr, and there was a lot of conversation um, that they picked up from the coaches, uh, and and ha- and had. Um, a lot of discussion on uh, how North Carolina tactically was trying to shut down Sam Kerr and what uh, they were doing 
going forward and how, how uh, Sam Mewis's role, how important that was. So a lot of tactical uh, discussion. Of course, uh, Jen Hildreth and Allie Wagner are both people we like a lot uh, in, in their calls of this this sport. So uh, no surprise, they were very, very good as, as a pair. Uh, and they've done some games uh, throughout the NWSL playoffs together. They, did, they used to do the lifetime games together also. So uh, they have a good pairing. I, I was really happy with the coverage. I love the match. Uh, North Carolina has won another title, so uh, that's uh, three successive years, or four successive years, if you include their, their former incarnation as Western New York, that they've been in the final, and they've won three of those. So uh, certainly a dominant team, and I think this is an important thing for fans to understand, Chris. So many of their key players are not critical members of the U.S. women's national team. So Lynn Williams is a star for them. Uh, she do- never seems to never get called into the national team. Jaylene Hinkle has been controversial, so she's not in the national team. Uh, Sam Mewis, of course, now stood out uh, in the World Cup. But prior to that, was kind of on the fringe, in and out of the team. And then Jessica McDonald is someone that got called in uh, for the World Cup, but has generally not been a key player for the national team. It didn't play much uh, this summer. So it's a team that's uh, maybe punching above their weight in the minds of a lot of people, but they've uh, been right there for four successive years uh, in the final. So hats off to them and great coverage from ESPN. Oh, and by the way, this was on ESPN, not on ESPN2. That was also very surprising to me. Yeah, and, and actually the viewing number... In terms of what social media said, I think they were kind of down on this number. But to me, actually, I'm, I'm up on this number. It was 166,000 people that tuned into this. Yes, it's not U.S. women's national team numbers by any means. But it's greater than what the NYCFC Toronto game was last week on FS1, the, the playoff. Uh, it's almost as great as the Seattle against Real Salt Lake game. It was just 3,000 people more. Um, last week, also in another playoff game. So, so for a league that's still finding its feet, uh, NWSL uh, compared to MLS, that's been around a long time. I, I think that's a decent number. There's something to 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 basically build upon, and um, and who knows? Maybe next season there'll be more coverage, maybe on ESPN Plus and other places. But uh, it's positive to me. Um, in terms of some of the other numbers that uh, we saw from this past week. Um, the LAFC LA Galaxy one that's that's really the one that stands out for me and that was um, it was a game and this is typical Major League Soccer it's not their fault um, but it's frustrating is that the game was advertised on ESPN uh, tune into ESPN and the game is not on it's college football so you have to tune into ESPN two to watch it and then for about thirty minutes uh, of the game it was on ESPN two and then suddenly. Uh, it, it goes to a commercial. I'm like, what the heck just happened there? Um, and then so I figured out, okay, it's switched now to ESPN. So go to ESPN and it's there. And I watched the rest of the game and, and I enjoyed it. Um, so the, the number for ESPN, ESPN2 and ESPN Deportes, uh, the combined number, the viewing average was 871,000. It's the most watched MLS Cup playoff on ESPN since 2014. Uh, It's the most watched Major League Soccer game ever in Spanish language on ESPN Deportes. Um, Some great numbers. And and, and again, too, to me, this is the type of match I'd love to see more of. Uh, If Major League Soccer could have more of these types of games, I think that would draw in even the hardcore audience to Major League Soccer. Um, Hopefully this is not... uh, a rare a rarity, but uh, but anyway, I, I enjoyed that one. The biggest number of the week uh, that I've seen so far is Liverpool against Spurs uh, on NBC, 
And this one had 915,000 viewers on NBC. Uh, we're still waiting for the Telemundo number. Okay, so moving on to listener mailbag. First up is Curtis Williams. And Curtis says, I have been a fan of Liga MX since Apertura 2001 on Univision. And Sunday after Sunday, I've become an informed fan of the league with Pumas, uh, Chivas, and Santos being my favorite teams. I often wonder, however, how the matches would sound in English. That would depend on whom the broadcasters are, of course. ESPN2 tried that in the mid-2000s, but with little success due to the presenter's lack of uh, Liga MX knowledge. Now it's been FS1 and FS2's turn at the wheel for the past two seasons, and I believe their coverage has improved because of one man, Adrian Garcia Marquez. His passion for the game and Liga MX expertise helps elevate the broadcasts to the viewers, along with analysts such as Rodolfo uh, Landeros, uh, Kobe Jones, and Mariano uh, Trujillo. It doesn't hurt to have teams such as uh, Cholos, Santos Laguna, uh, Club America, and Chivas each having uh, written content online, or in Chivas's case, broadcast home matches in English. So yes, I am hooked on Liga MX. And, and Curtis, this is some great uh, feedback and great input because I try to watch Liga MX uh, as much as I can and um, with kids and soccer practices and um, getting up early sometimes to go to my, my daughter's soccer game. Uh, oftentimes the games are on late, even later than Major League Soccer, so, so oftentimes I don't get to watch as much as I can. Um, some great feedback here too in terms of uh, Fox's coverage because – even though the, the coverage has improved, it's still it, they're not advertising it. There's no promos. If you ask ten out of ten soccer fans in the United States at random, I think probably nine of them would have no idea that Fox is even broadcasting Liga MX games in English for three of the clubs. So, um, so I think even going back to ESPN, you mentioned ESPN two tried it in the mid two thousands, and yes, the presenters didn't know Liga MX as much. But again, ESPN two didn't promote it or advertise it either. So I think that's part of the issue. Um, what's your take, Kartik? Yeah, I think that's part of the issue that they didn't uh, they didn't promote it that much. I think another part of the issue is that the clubs that uh, uh, are on. Uh, 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 to, to uh, on Fox aren't necessarily uh, the most uh, the most popular clubs now. I, I, although Zolos does have a following in the U.S., right? Yeah. Because there are uh, a lot of American players, and obviously they're right across the border. So there's a lot of interest in that club, uh, but there hasn't been as much promotion of it. I think there's just the culture of not necessarily watching those matches in English, not expecting those matches to be on in English, because there's more knowledge of Liga MX, I think, now among uh, English language dominant soccer fans in the U.S. than there has ever been mm-hmm. in the past. Yep. Uh, but they, it used to be seen as a very ethnic thing to do to watch that league. But I, I don't know. I think uh, as time goes on, uh, maybe it will catch on. But there's just not the culture of people watching it in English. Yeah, and I, I honestly think that um, even the bare necessities um, Fox and Liga MX are not doing in terms of just uh, trying to do you mean having a, a TV schedule or having letting people know ahead of time a, a press release, which doesn't cost you anything? You mean letting the media know that okay, here's a schedule for the upcoming two or three weeks, and here's which game is going to be on which channels, and and those types of things. That's not even happening. The only way I find out about Liga MX games on US television on 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 Fox in English is when the commentator tweets out something. And he, he might say, hey, I'm doing a broadcast tonight at 10 o'clock on FS2. I'm like, oh, I, I had no idea that that game was even going to be on. 
And to me, that's that's the bare necessity. At first, I mean, just let people know it, it exists. And uh, slowly but surely, they will gravitate towards it. And then if you want to add to that and grow the game or grow, grow the league or the coverage, um, you need to advertise and you know, get in, uh, fans, people's, uh, fans' faces. Dan McCurry says, I know people harp on this constantly, but why can't U.S. and Major League Soccer matches start at the advertised time? I skip the meaningless MLS group stage regular season and only tune in for the playoffs, only to find when I tune in that we are 20 minutes from kickoff. El Trafico's advertised kickoff time was 7.30 Pacific time, which is already late for for my time zone. How do they expect to grow the audience with late starts that actually start even later? Watershed moment for those in Pacific Time Coast, um, Pacific Time. But how many people stayed up to watch this match in the Central or Eastern Time Zones? And the reality on this one, um, Kartik, which is which is a rarity, is that they got a huge number for a game that started so late. Um, and, and and that's my thing too. Like we we often talk on this podcast about kickoff times and which times are better. You mean or. I mean, a, a game that's seven thirty on on a Saturday morning, uh, Eastern Time, which is four thirty Pacific Time. How many people watch that game versus a MLS game at three thirty on a Sunday afternoon? And my my thing, my bone of contention is is that if a game's good enough and has the anticipation and, and there's enough interest, I'll watch a game no matter what time it is. I mean, I think back to the World Cup when it was in uh, South Korea and Japan. I'm sure like you, Kartik, I was getting up at two o'clock in the morning <clears throat> to watch games and then followed that by a four o'clock in the morning game and then, and then a six o'clock in the morning game. I didn't get any sleep for like a month. Um, but if the game's that important, I will stay up and watch it. Or I'll, I'll try and find any way possible to watch it, You mean whatever it may take. Um, what about you, Kartik? Uh, would you do that too or, or uh, do you disagree? Uh, I have tip historically agreed uh, in terms of I, I, the 2002 World Cup, obviously, is the best example. I'm actually in that same interview I teased earlier. I, I'm talking about uh, one of the, the great moments for me was when John O'Brien scored that goal yeah. uh, for the U.S. against Portugal, which was, I think, at 3.05 Eastern time in the morning, wow. something like that. Uh, but I guess as I get older I, and, and we have the, the DVR uh, going like to, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, I know we normally record the show on Thursdays. I, I uh, am not sure if I'm going to watch Seattle, LA. I am going to watch Seattle, LA. I just don't know when I'm going to watch it. Am I going to mm-hmm. watch it live? Am I going to watch it tomorrow after I get home from work? Uh, it's going to be one or the other, but I, I, there's no guarantee I'll watch it live now, which uh, 10 years ago I would have. I would have just stayed up and sucked it up. So I think the DVR changes a lot of that for us. Yeah, and it's very much a DVR culture these days, more so than than ever in terms of being able to um, time shift. And and you could watch this game tomorrow morning, and uh, not know what the score is, and and try to I mean just to block that out, or know what the score is and watch it and or rewatch it. L- lots of different options. All right, next up is uh, Robert Thompson, <clears throat> and Robert says, "I uh, hope you saw the LAFC versus LA Galaxy game last week." An exciting game, but like so many MLS games, made exciting by the great attacking play, balanced by some shoddy defensive work. Maybe after um, after the season, you and Kartik can address the future of Major League Soccer. That is some of what will hopefully be in my uh, email here when it when it gets written. Uh, team budgets are often spent on player makers, goal scorers, 
Uh, there are very few defensive designated players. There is not enough money to cover 11 top-notch players, at least until they start getting more young players from their academies. And the thing about this Kartik too is that um, while I agree with Robert, um, and I'm sure you, you do too, and we, we've talked about this before too, about that um, you know, it'd be great to get some world-class defenders or, or some really decent defenders in the league uh, to really make things a little bit more interesting in terms of ma- matches rather than just goal fests at times. Um, it's nothing against goals. But the, the other thing about this too is that um, one of the main reasons I watched this game, the LAFC LA Galaxy game, was because of one person, and that's Zlatan. Because I want to see what he's going to do next. I have no idea how he's going to play this game uh, before I watched it, I mean, is he going to be the talking point of this game? Is he going to do something amazing? Is he going to karate kick a, a guy in the head, or what is he going to do? And it's that that uh, sense of um, not knowing, not not uh, one individual not knowing what he's going to do with Zlatan. If he does leave the league, which a lot of people um, say that uh, this is it for LA Galaxy and Major League Soccer, he, he's going to Europe or wherever. I think that's a big loss, and more so than, say, a Wayne Rooney, more so than a Steven Gerrard, than a Frank Lampard. Um, you go down the list, there's so many different players from, from overseas. Zlatan had that X factor. You wanted to know what he would say post-match. You wanted to know you mean, what, what he would do, or just, like, just in, in the, even before the game started, uh, in the tunnel, and what he's going to do in the tunnel. Is he going to you mean, say something to Vela in, in front of his face, or whatever it may be? So Major League Soccer, if they do lose Zlatan, that's that's a huge loss because without Zlatan, yes, you have Carlos Vela and you have some other players too that, that are decent. But um, I'd be less likely to watch another LAFC, LA Galaxy game if Zlatan's not there. Are you joining the Zlatan fan club, uh, Kartik, anytime yeah, soon? Yeah, I've been a Zlatan fan for years, so it doesn't. Uh, I, I, he'll be missed, but... Uh, I, I think uh, what Rooney and Zlatan have shown, uh, and, and some other players recently, there's there's a, a drive among American uh, soccer journalists, uh, people who are uh, um, very uh, defensive of Major League Soccer, to claim that it's more important to have Joseph Martinez and Miguel Almiron and and, and those sorts of players than uh, Diego Valeri than than to have uh, Zlatan, Rooney, David Villa, Pirlo, those sorts of guys. Uh, I understand where they're coming from, and I, I can relate to it from a uh, from a uh, pure development and, and kind of uh, age perspective. But at the same time, uh, guys like David Villa and Zlatan moved the needle in a way that uh, Miguel Almiron never did. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you have to remember. Absolutely. <clears throat> Next up is uh, Edwin, and he says, uh, I disagree with you guys at times, but you are all on the spot about the Major League Soccer owners scamming the books and hiding money and crying poor. This is my biggest gripe with the league, even though I'm a fan of Major League Soccer. It's something I hope gets corrected in the CBA, giving more to players <clears throat> and adequate uh, compensation per skill level. So some good feedback there from Edwin. Next up is John Average Geek. John says, uh, my takes uh, on the different leagues uh, on television, my observations, the mileage may vary. He says, the Bundesliga, awesome stadium atmosphere. Can't complain with that. The Premier League, just some great coverage by NBC. Spot on. Uh, Serie A, poor in some games. Fans seem the mile, miles away from the pitch. Liga and La Liga. I like the coverage when I got B in, but that hurts. I guess, I guess that hurts not having B in sports. 
Uh, do you do you, uh, disagree with any of these uh, observations here, Kartik? No, I mean I think I think uh, there's a couple things. One, uh, Serie A atmospheres are generally poor. There just aren't that many people going to Serie A matches anymore. It's it's. Uh, it shouldn't reflect on how we view the league in terms of quality. I think it's still a very good league. And not, not still a very good league. I think it's a better league than it was five years ago. Uh, now, it's not as good a league as it was 15 years ago, one of the best league in the world. Uh, but if it, it, it dropped, in my estimation, I would say five years ago, a league oh, was probably better than, than Serie A. I know no one, people don't necessarily agree with that. I thought it slipped to the fifth best league in Europe. I, I'd say it's at worst fourth right now, maybe third. But... Um, the atmospheres are terrible there. There's violence at games. There's just a lot of things that are wrong with the league. So um, the attendances have, have dropped in Serie A. And, and there's also the, the issue of a lot of the stadiums being municipal facilities, much like the era when we had multi-purpose stadiums in the U.S. So that that's just a little clarification on that. I agree with everything. Bundesliga, I think, has the best best supporters, best fans, fan atmospheres in 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 the sport uh, well i you know what I, I there are a lot of good south american atmospheres too but at least in europe bundesliga is the best as far as i'm concerned premier league obviously is the best covered in terms of uh, uh the way the media covers it and then uh i think la liga to me is still probably uh the best league in the world mm-hmm. uh te- technically but it's uh it's tough for a lot of people in this country to appreciate it because bn um it, I, it's not going to change, right? I mean, I've just had this conversation with someone today. Yeah. Uh, the reality is that BN is not getting back on those cable systems. So uh, the hope is that as more people cut the cord, they go to services like Fubo or Sling where you get BN. Uh, that's really the hope for La Liga at this point. The, the, the strange thing about BN Sports, though, too, Kartik, is that you could argue that La Liga and, and BN Sports have more visibility and more accessibility than Serie A. Even though, you mean, Serie A, in a lot of people's minds, I think Serie A people would say, like, yeah, well, the Italian league is bigger than, than La Liga. But we have no numbers to show for that because um, ESPN Plus is not sharing any of the data in terms of how many people are actually watching those matches. Uh, with La Liga and being sports, we know uh, on the English side how many viewers are watching those games. And, and sometimes on the Spanish side, we'll, we'll know those numbers too. But um, it could be that uh, it, it's more of a... Um, Almost like a, a, a PR issue, kind of a um, in terms of being sports, is that the narrative is that well, the reality is that, that not being on, not being on Directv and not being on uh, Comcast hurts being sports big time. But at the same time, I mean, ESPN Plus is not on Directv. ESPN Plus is not on uh, Comcast. And, and so, so in some ways, I mean, the narrative is, I mean, there's been very little bad press about Serie A in terms of their accessibility and availability of those games. Um, but the, you could argue that BN Sports has has better access and, and distribution than La Liga does. But again, we don't know because we don't have those ESPN Plus numbers to compare it against. Well, that's true. But I think the general impression is La Liga is in a worse place than the Bundesliga or Serie A uh, in terms of visibility in the U.S. because of this. But you might be right. The way you just explained it, I have to think about it because I was actually going to you know, try and refute your point on that and say, well, Serie A is on ESPN. So uh, and and uh, all the matches are on ESPN Plus and you can get the matches easily. But you're right. I mean, we just went through the numbers for ESPN Plus earlier in this show. In theory, there are more people between the cable systems that carry BN and the uh, streaming services that carry BN that, that subscribe to those. Mm-hmm. So that, that is a very good point. 
Yeah, there's a stigma about it being sports. I mean, you mentioned being sports to any soccer fan, and they'll say like, "Oh, yeah, you mean, yeah." Nobody has that channel. Well, the reality is, is that a lot of people have this, that that channel. It's just not through Directv or Comcast. Outside yeah. of that, that, that uh, it's pretty much ready, read, readily available. Um, and of course, ESPN Plus with that low price point of what four ninety five a month. Um, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, it doesn't hurt that, at that price point. It does make it. I mean, people are not going to complain about that for the most part. Although I do get lots of complaints about it. Um, anyway, the, 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 just just wanted to throw that out there. It'll be interesting to get uh, the listeners' uh, viewpoints on that one too, in terms of what they think about being sports and and if there is a stigma and a, a really kind of a bad PR about it, where being sports hasn't really addressed that issue. That that. Um, you mean? I mean, people believe that the league is not available, or the channel is not available. The reality that it is, but just just have to get that word out there. Last but not least, on the list in the mailbag, it is it's from Martin Mulcahy, and Martin says FS1 showing NASCAR truck racing qualifying instead of uh, one of the world's greatest derbies in uh, Dortmund against Schalke is why I, I am so happy they lost the Bundesliga to ESPN Plus. Stupid decisions like this puts potential fans off as well. Now, Kartik, Kartik, you watch the, you, you watch this game, right? But yeah, I watched this game, and 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 actually, I had to run out the door the second it ended. Uh, there was no post game coverage because it was on FS2 because I had to get to our stadium by noon to to set up for our seven o'clock game. Um, it, I, I this is another tough one because based on what you just said, Chris. I'm now thinking, well, yeah, next year this match will be on ESPN+. Plus. There's less accessibility to ESPN+, Plus than to FS2, right? Um, right? Yes, I would have preferred this match be on FS1 with the studio coverage, Kate Abdo, uh, Alexi Lawless, Ian Joy, whoever uh, else would have been involved, Stu Holden, uh, obviously Costigan calling the match. Uh, but I'm not sure... Uh, <laughs> Not sure ESPN Plus is going to be an upgrade. I, look, I've got got a lot of backlash when I said that on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, the day the deal was announced, formally announced. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I still stand by that. Look, I and, – and this might change my viewing habits. I might uh, watch more Premier League. I said I have a 50-50 ratio of watching Premier League to Bundesliga these last two seasons. Uh, it might be back to like 80-20 next year uh, mm-hmm. because I have to say – there were a lot of times, and you mentioned the Cardiff-Swansea match, which was a 7 a.m. match on a on Sunday. I wanted to get up to watch that, but I, like I said, I had my Miami FC game the previous night. By the time I got out of the stadium and press conference and everything, it was 11. So I over I slept through that match. But whoa, whoa. There were a lot Pri- of times, priorities. Chris, priorities, Kartik. Come on, <laughs> Chris. There are a lot of times that at 10 a.m. I've circled a championship match I want to watch, 10 right. a.m. Eastern time, yeah. uh, that is on ESPN+. Plus. When those matches used to be on BN, I, w- sometimes I would watch them instead of the Bundesliga or Premier League. There are so many times already this season in the first 12, 13 weeks of the championship season where I've circled a 10 o'clock match. I think once or twice I've watched it, but generally I've said, okay, I'm just staying on my TV and I'm going to watch either the Premier League or the Bundesliga. And like mm-hmm. I said, it's usually 50-50 ratio, which one I pick. But that is already proven, even though I might have the best of intentions going into a weekend saying, hey, I, I see Leeds is playing uh, uh, Le- 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 Leeds is playing hard if I want to watch this match. Um to uh, not watch it because it's on ESPN+. Plus. So next season, 
when the Bundesliga is on ESPN Plus. Now, if it's Schalke Dortmund, yeah, it's, I agree. It's one of the best derbies in the world. I probably will watch that. But if it's Eintracht against, uh, against Mönchengladbach, might be a match uh, for the top four. I might not watch it because of the physical um, difference for me, who is not a cord cutter yet, to switch to ESPN Plus from my cable system or uh, mm-hmm. to switch off of my what's on my television and go to ESPN Plus. So uh, I, I, I'm i not convinced by this Bundesliga move yet. I realize I'm in the minority. Actually, I'm not sure I'm in the minority. I'm in the vocal I, there, there's a vocal majority of people who are excited uh, on yeah. social media about the move away from Fox, which I think is as much as about being anti-Fox as being practical. Uh, but I do think there are a lot of Bundesliga fans like myself who are thinking, we get so many matches, we're going to get more matches in a given weekend on Fox Networks uh, on television, then we're going to get the entire season next year yeah. on linear television. So, uh, sorry I've gotten all fired up about this, but I, I'm still not convinced this is the right move for the Bundesliga. And I kind of wish they hadn't made it but we'll see maybe a year from now feel very differently it's funny because um i I, i've become very attached to certain apps so um i will for example i will end up watching more coverage uh, of soccer soccer on fubo than i will on sling tv now I, i have both of those services but the Fubo app, I, I watch a lot more games through there. I like the DVR controls. I like the programming guide. I like that you can do the favorites. Uh, Fubo is also awesome on your laptop, by the way, which yeah. is why I, I see a lot of La Liga games that that way. So, so even though I, I'm interested in all sorts of different leagues from around the world, I'll gravitate to Fubo. Fubo will be the first place I go to, and I'll watch most of the games through there. And then there's a game that's LAFC against LA Galaxy. It's on ESPN. I do not have uh, – well, Fubo does not have ESPN. So I'm like, okay, let me go ahead and fire up uh, the Sling TV app. And then I have to kind of remember I mean, how, how to work that app. It's not as, as intuitive or as beautifully d- designed. So as a result, I actually end up watching less coverage of – games on on sling tv and those leagues associated with it and i see a lot more on fubo tv whether it's the spanish league or if it's the you know, super league argentina or if it's the premier league or, or or wherever it is so so with the espn plus app and the disney plus bundle if a family is living in that ES, that disney plus bundle and they're watching all the disney plus programming and they've gotten used to ESPN Plus and then watching more of the soccer programming, or wh- whichever app it is, that could be a gateway to actually watching more soccer, more coverage on that on that because of the app, not because of which league is better or when the game's kick, kick, kicking off or, or other variables. So so it could be that the Bundesliga is onto a big thing here, Kartik. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's. I, I'm with you right now in terms of ESPN talks a lot about reach. So if you talk to anyone from ESPN and you talk about, I mean, viewers and and average viewers for different games, they will always bring up the topic of reach. Well, we have a bigger reach. We've got, I mean, we've got Sports Center and we've got uh, ESPN FC. We've got ESPN Plus. We've got the website, and, and they talk about the the empire as as the reach. They won't go so much into specifics in terms of. For example, how many viewers watched a game, a Serie A game, on ESPN Plus? We do not know that number, um, and it's a selling point. That's a selling point to the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga bought into that and said, "Okay, yeah, we believe in this. I mean, we, yes, it's nice that you're paying us all this money, but we believe in the reach of ESPN and ESPN Plus, and, and that's going to make our league better and stronger and into more homes than before." 
and it, it's it's a bet. It's a bet that they're making. And again, too, is that the right bet? We don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. All right, Kartik, so if any listeners want to catch up on uh, anything in terms of with, whether it's politics, uh, Florida history, or uh, your thoughts about uh, you mean, you mean soccer, or you name it, uh, what's the best place uh, for them to reach you at? Find me on Twitter at KKFLA737. All right, and you can find me at World Soccer Talk or at The Gaffer, which I don't use that often, but uh, usually at World Soccer Talk is probably a better place to reach me at there. And you can always reach us uh, via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com in the comments section and uh, we'll go ahead and add those to an upcoming show and talk about uh, your comments there uh, if there are standout comments. And Akartik, uh, looking ahead to this weekend in terms of any matches that you're looking forward to or... uh, I think Miami FC is not playing this weekend, right? So Right, we have the championship match the week after, so hopefully I'll be able to watch a little more football this weekend. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, so, so so we've got a weekend off, thankfully. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audio Boom. Overcast and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share uh, share it with your friends um, on social media. And uh, if you can, we'd greatly appreciate it if you post a review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing uh, there. We'd uh, thank you for that. In Kartik, heading into another weekend of soccer from around the world, what should they do? Enjoy your football. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.